Well, this morning, uh, we're going to prepare for communion. And we do that, as we remember, monthly. And uh, we understand the, the um, meaning of the communion service that we read about uh, that, uh, in, in, in the Gospel uh, of Matthew, as well as we read about uh, in, in uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 11. And the Apostle Paul speaks about that, his encounter with Jesus that he had on the road to Damascus. And uh, he speaks about the preparation of communion. He speaks about the examination of communion, the, the self-examination, uh, and taking a look at our, our lives as uh, we prepare to remember, because after all, uh, Paul is, is thinking back and, and remembering how Jesus spoke to the disciples, and uh, he was speaking about his death and his sacrifice uh, and, and uh, the giving of his life for the sins of the world. And Paul is speaking about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And so what I'm going to be doing is I want to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting with verse 28. You can find your place there. Then I'm going to jump over to the book of James, chapter number 1. Okay, so 1 Corinthians, we're going to uh, look at, at the Apostle Paul as he is challenging the church at Corinth uh, to examine, to uh, begin to inspect their lives spiritually. We need to do that when we come to church. We come to church, we, our main motive needs to become, yes, to we'll come into the presence of God, but to allow God to help us to, to heal those areas that may be broken, to strengthen those places in our lives that may be vulnerable. And that only happens as God's Word comes, and we allow it to begin to show us those areas in our lives. I know... People come for a lot of different reasons, a lot of different purposes to church. But the main motivation for coming is to, yeah, worship God and to, to love Jesus, to hear the Word of God, but to let the Word do something in our lives, to let it accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. And so let's go ahead and, and read 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, starting with verse 28 and the inspection that Paul asks us to take. He writes and says, but a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. But if we judged ourselves correctly or rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So Paul gives us a good example in, in understanding about the communion service, that it's a, a time of fellowship as we remember what Jesus did for our lives, but yet it's also a time for introspection, self-examination, 
so that we can begin to judge those things correctly in our life that need to be taken care of. How many know that we are good at judging other people? <laughs> Don't we do that? Well, you know, that brother over there, if he did this, and that sister over there, she did this and did the other. We are good at judging people. But here the Apostle Paul says, forget about judging everybody else. Forget about looking at everybody else's life. What you need to do is take a good look at your own life and begin to judge yourself correctly. What does he mean by rightly or correctly? Because we have a tendency when we do judge our lives, we use a scale that we pick maybe someone who is on the lowest totem pole of righteousness in the church. And we say, well, you know, I'm not as bad as that person. And we, we pick somebody that, that maybe is struggling and maybe is not doing well. And we say, yeah, but at least I'm not like. And we judge ourselves and we're judging ourselves incorrectly. Because Paul doesn't say to uh, judge ourselves by somebody else's standards or somebody else's lifestyle. We're supposed to judge ourselves according to the Holy Spirit dealing with our lives. As those things are exposed in our lives when we hear the Word of God. That's what he means when he says to judge ourselves correctly. Because when we do, then those issues would be resolved and taken care of. With those, those things that we judge correctly according to God's Word then would cause us to be made right before God so that he says we would not be judged with the world. So the purpose for Paul writing this is so that we would be made right in the sight of God according to his word as we look at our own lives and take care of those areas that, are, that need to be changed. And so not only do we need to examine and inspect ourselves when we come to church, but yet every single day when we get up and prepare and as we're leaving the house and going about our business, God wants us to make sure we look at our lives, how we interact with those around us, because that's important, isn't it? How we deal with people around us. It's, it's a lifestyle that, that, that we're talking about. And that as we judge ourselves, that when we're at work, we're at school, and, you know, I'm not talking about condemnation. That, that's not what the Word is saying. But it's talking about allowing God to speak to us and maybe showing us wrong attitudes, wrong mindsets, maybe some wrong actions, and taking a look at those and dealing with them. Because we can do that at church. But yet, I want to take a look at James, chapter number 1, because James has a similar communication to the people of God. But he brings, up, brings it about in a different way, in a different form. And he talks about this in James, chapter 1, and I entitled this sermon, Be a Doer. Be a doer. Say that with me. Doer. Be a doer. Be a doer. 
Because we're going to understand what, what this means as we look at the Word of God, starting with James chapter 1 and with verse 22. James writes and says, Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. How many looked at your face in a mirror this morning? Yep, we did, right? Did you like what you saw? Some do and some don't, but that's life, isn't it? But you see, what James is talking about is he's talking about his spiritual mirror that we're going to be looking at. And after looking at himself, at his face in the mirror, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. I like that. Because James gives us an understanding that when we allow God's Word to deal with our lives, when we look at it, when we read it, the same way we look in the mirror, and, you know, you cover up the wrinkle, or you, you, you shave what needs to be shaved, etc., and so on, you're doing what needs to be done to correct the flaw or to make things better. And James says when we do that, that we will be blessed. And then he, before that he says, but if we do look in the mirror and we forget what we have seen and not done anything about it, then you can rightly assume that there will be no blessing. You can rightly assume that there will be no healing or there will be no freedom because he talks about looking uh, into the perfect law, which is the Word of God. How many know God's Word is perfect? There are no flaws in the Word of God. There are no mistakes in the Word of God. And we know that the Word of God sets the captive free. When we allow it to work in us, there's a freedom, a liberation that takes place. But that only happens when we are honest with what God shows us about ourselves. That freedom, that liberty, only takes place when we allow God's Word to correct and to heal those areas that may be broken. Human nature has a tendency to forget, don't we? I, I, I mean, I, I do that. I, Saturday, I was supposed to leave something out for Brother Marty on the doorstep. He came all the way from Azusa, and wouldn't you know it, I forgot to put it out on the doorstep. of the. So he drove all that way for nothing. That was my fault. I forgot. Human nature has a tendency to forget. We're all doing that at one time or another. But the important thing here that I want to look at with you this morning is that when it comes to the Word of God, God help us uh, that we don't walk out these doors uh, and forget what God has tried to show us while we were here. 
Or that when you're home and you're doing your devotions, reading your word or praying, and by the Holy Spirit, God reveals something that we don't get up and walk away forgetting uh, what God wanted us to do or what God wanted us to change. I read about a man who uh, came home from a business trip, was on his way home, and decided to buy his wife a gift to show her he appreciated her. So he stopped at, at the department store and went up to the cosmetic um, desk, and he asked the clerk, I'd like to see some perfume. And so she showed him a bottle, and that bottle of perfume cost $60. Bill looked and said, yeah, that's a little too much. Is there anything that might be a little less? So she came back with a smaller bottle that only cost $30. Well, that's still a lot, Bill said. And so the clerk kind of got annoyed, and she went out and brought back a tiny a bottle that cost $15. Bill looked at the clerk and said, you know, I want to get her something, but what I mean is I like to see something that's really cheap. So she came back with a mirror. Yes. Ladies, say amen. <laughs> now, we don't have any cheap husbands out there, I wouldn't think. You see, when we come to church and God shows us those places in our lives that need to be corrected, God wants us to look, the Bible says, intently, with, with, with intensity, and examine, not just gaze, but really take a deep, hard look at what the Word of God is trying to say about us and not about everyone else. Because many times when we come to church and the Word of God, which is the spiritual mirror, shows us something that we don't like or we don't want to hear, we get mad at the mirror or at the one who's holding up the mirror instead of allowing God to say, I'm trying to bring freedom into your life. I'm trying to set you free from those things that are holding you down, that are causing you pain and heartache. Stop being angry and start allowing me to help you. And you see, this is the reason why Paul is writing to the church and why James is speaking to us and saying, when God's word comes then be real about what it's showing you and let it have its course. There are some who would say just, you know, I'd rather not hear ignorance is bliss, just keep it away from me, I don't want to know. If I don't look into the Word, I, you know, if I don't read, this is why some folks don't read. You know, every morning when I get up and read my Word and I read chapters of the Word of God, I get convicted, and there are times when I'm tired and I'm in a hurry and I don't want to do it, but I've come to the place where I have to do that because there are things that God needs to show me. And there's the temptation to say, I, I don't need to, today, there's no time for it. Today, you know, I'm, I'm too busy. And what happens is I miss, I miss out 
on what God wants to do in my life and the freedom that he wants to bring in areas of my life that maybe are controlling me that should not be controlling me, that maybe are dominating me that should not be dominating me. And the only way that happens is how? Through the perfect law of God, through the perfect mirror. You know, when you go to, to you know, like a lot of the carnivals they have and stuff, you know, we've all been to the house of mirrors, right? In fact, Eve, my, my granddaughter has an app that, that she has on her phone that changes your face into these weird-looking things. Yeah, you, you probably all have, maybe some of you have them. And you know, when you go in front of those mirrors that distort you, you know, it makes you look skinnier, makes you look taller, it makes you look fatter, it makes you look, you know, oblong and all kinds of weird shapes. Because those mirrors aren't true. That's like the world. The world has its mirrors. That wants, you, that wants you to look into those mirrors and, oh, you're doing good. You know, Dr. Phil has his mirror. Oprah has her mirror. And all these people have their own mirrors. And they want you to look into their mirrors so that, you know, you'll feel good about yourself. But the only true mirror that we need to look at is in the Word of God. Because the Word of God is truth. And the Bible says, you will know the truth and what happens. Freedom comes uh, with that truth from God's Word. So there are some that come to church and they just kind of push that aside or what they say is, well, maybe I won't go to church that much because, you know, that, 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 I just don't need to hear those things and, and if I don't hear them, then I'm not going to feel bad about uh, what's going on in my life. But you see, you'll never be free. You'll, you'll never have the freedom that God wants to bring in your life if you keep resisting what God is trying to show you. Can you imagine this morning what we would all look like if that when we first got up and looked in the mirror and then went away and went about our business and forgot what we saw and did nothing about it and just showed up to church, we'd be a hurting-looking church. But that didn't happen, did it? Because we all took time to remember, oops, you know, there's spinach in my teeth. I better get that out. Oops, you know, I've got that alfalfa look. I better gel it down. I better do something. Oops, I've got the, you know, these things that uh, need to be taken care of. We've all taken the time to look and to fix what was going on. And thank God we didn't forget because everybody looks good here this morning. I think that James, when he's talking about the man who looks in the mirror and then forgets what he saw, he's not describing a man with a poor memory. He's not describing someone who, who maybe has a problem remembering things. No, what he's describing is someone with poor priorities. He's describing someone who doesn't think that it's that important that God shows them those areas in their lives that need to be adjusted or that need to be fixed. Not someone who has a bad memory, but someone who really doesn't care. And you see, what we need to do is to resist with the strategy of the enemy when he comes to us, when God is speaking to us, whenever that time is, communion, 
whether it's on a Wednesday, whether it's at a Bible study, whether it's at your home when you're praying or reading your word. Resist the temptation to forget and put aside those things. Because a church is a place for people to receive healing, to receive help. Yes, to receive correction, but the Bible says that those whom God loves, what does he do? He corrects. Just like we correct our children because we love them. We want the best for them. When we come to the Word of God, yes, there are going to be those times when maybe, you know, you know wow, that was good. I didn't feel convicted about what, what they were talking about. I'm doing, I think I'm doing good in that one. Praise the Lord for that. But I, I really think those times are, are the exception rather than the rule. Because there are always areas in our lives that God can work in us in. There's always places through, through any, any part of the Word of God that we can always be better men and women of God. Can you say amen this morning? Because none of us have, have arrived. And I think when we get that mindset that I'm good, yeah, I don't, need to, I don't need to be there. You know, I'll just, you know, check it out online and go about my, my daily business or whatever the case might be. I think we, we kind of get to that point where we feel we don't really need to intently look into God's Word anymore or to intently listen. Because he said, don't just be listeners or hearers of the word. And so many people come to church and hear. They hear. They listen. Yeah, I was there. I heard. But then the question needs to be asked, what are you doing about it? What are you doing about what you heard? Because if you're not doing anything about it, guess what? Nothing's going to change, and nothing's going to get better. Just like if you have a knock in your engine, and you're driving along, and you just hear it. Oh, and you just keep driving and driving and driving, and do nothing about it, your engine's going to blow. It is the same way with our spiritual life, if we just all, nothing do but hear and hear and hear and never let God change us, then, you know, what, what, what's the use? We need to be honest when it comes to that time of inspection, that examination the Apostle Paul speaks about and that James speaks about when God shows us something through his word. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, and in verse 5, test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Christ Jesus is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? You see, Paul is saying that we need to take that spiritual self-examination test to see how our faith is holding up. And it has to do with our faith that it tells the truth about who we are, not who we say we are. Because how many know we can look in that mirror and, you know, once we get done with, with all the fixing and, and touching up that we see, that's, you know, not really us. You know, you, I, I, I see all these folks that, you know, I, I, I knew them when, you know, they first started act, their acting careers. Some of them now, I don't even recognize them. I don't even recognize them. Some of them look like the Joker. 
you know, I mean, some of them, they have all these different looks. And you kind of wonder what, you know, when they come, if they make it into heaven, God's going to look and say, who are you? It's not who I made you. I don't recognize you. And, you know, that's the way we are sometimes. We, 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 don't, we don't look at the real stuff. We look at the made-up person we perceive ourselves to be. And that's when we get in trouble. He says, don't do that deceiving yourselves. How many know we are good at self-deception? We are good at self-deception. About so many areas in our lives. I'm, a, I'm an excellent driver. No, you're not. No, I can, I, I'm an excellent this and that. No, you're not. But we convince ourselves, man, you know what, I can, I can do it, man, I'm, I'm the man. You know, you're, you're the one. And, and we deceive ourselves about a lot of things in life. And the worst place that we can come to in life where we deceive ourselves is about who we are in Christ. And that we need to make sure that when God shows us Take that test, as uh, the apostle Paul writes and says, see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. You see, what it's going to take is spiritual discernment. Say that word discernment with me. Discernment, spiritual discernment. When we have spiritual discernment, and God wants us to have that. That comes by the Holy Spirit. We'll begin to understand those areas that God is exposing in our lives that need correction. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8, the Apostle Paul writes, For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, right? At one time, we were living in darkness. We were in sin. No spiritual understanding. We were in the dark. Nothing about, about, about righteousness or, or anything because our lives were dark. But he says, now you're in the light. So now what? Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Then he says, and try to what? Discern or to judge what is pleasing to the Lord. That's what that word means, discern. The definition is to judge, the ability to perceive wisdom, insight. That's what discernment is. And that only comes because we are in the light, because we're walking in the light. And that comes through our salvation, born-again experience, because before that, we couldn't judge right from wrong, right? We couldn't judge up from down. We, everything in our judgment was off. It wasn't until we gave our lives to Jesus that salvation took place in our lives, forgiveness of sin, that the light turned on, uh, and now we have the Holy Spirit in us to lead and guide us truth from deception, right from wrong. And that is called what? Discernment. Comes from the Greek word to look through thoroughly and not just a quick glance. 
And so what James is saying, look intently, thoroughly, take time. Don't just, you know, gloss over God's word, hear it, listen to it, and then you're done, forget about what it said. But let it begin to germinate. Let it begin to grow roots. Let the seed begin to be planted. Take time and allow it to do what God wants it to do. Because if not, then James goes on and speaks, and he says in verse 26 that this kind of man who doesn't do what the Word of God says to do, and he doesn't allow it to change him, his religion is in vain. You're just religious. And even at that, it's worthless. It's worth nothing. God help us that we come, don't come to church and we come to church and do not allow the Word of God to settle in us and intently look at what it's saying to us and discern, God, yes, I understand what you want to take place in my life. I get it, God, and I'm going to do something about it. I'm not just going to rush out without it changing my life. You see, only God, His Word, through the Holy Spirit, can look through all of our excuses. Because we're good excuse makers also, aren't we? We make excuses for everything. And we have a list of them, you know, of why this and why the other thing and the walls that we put up to try and keep the Word of God from deep. Yeah, but, you know, if this only and, you know, if he did this for me, I'd be better. And, you know what, if, if he paid more attention to me, I'd, I would do this. And, you know, ba 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 ba. And we just come up with so many excuses as to why, you know, we're not going to let God change our lives and what's really going on inside of our lives because we have a tendency to blame others. But the Word of God is like a mirror, and it doesn't allow any excuses to take place. It's not a distorted mirror like those at the fun house or at the carnivals, but it's the perfect mirror that shows reality. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, the writer of Hebrews speaks about this mirror and how perfectly it, it begins to, to show us those places that maybe we don't want to look at, those areas that maybe we don't want to check because we like the way they are. We're comfortable in those places. Listen to what it says in verse 12, Hebrews chapter 4. For the Word of God is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge, or that word again, discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Now, that, that scripture right there, those scriptures right there are really intense, aren't they? 
because they really leave no wiggle room. How many know we like wiggle room? We like wiggle room. We, 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 you know, judge, I'm guilty, but with, with an excuse. You know, you go to court, I forget what they called it, you know, in, in the old days. And, yeah, guilty with an explanation or whatever the case. No, there's no explanations, no, no wiggle room with the Word of God because He's there, He's seen everything as it is, right? Exposed, all the areas, everything. And God's Word discerns, wants us to be able to discern again so that we would not be judged with the world. Remember that, that scripture that we read? So that we would judge ourselves, discern in our own lives those things so that judgment won't happen in the world. You see, God's Word shows us our ugly self-centered attitudes. God's Word shows us and exposes our prideful areas. God's Word confronts our, the contempt that we have, maybe for people around us. It shows us our lack of compassion that we have. God's Word exposes all those areas, the anger that we have that is not correct, our rotten speech that we use, our greed and our lust. And you know, discernment takes maturity. It takes a mature Christian. This is why it's so important. And we, and, and we understand immaturity. You know, when it comes to, to, to Christianity, those new Christians and those who, who are maybe not in their word, not praying, and not growing, that's why they have so much trouble because they find it difficult to, to discern those things that they shouldn't be doing, those areas they shouldn't be in, allowing to take place in their life. Those, those people they shouldn't be hanging around with because there's no discernment, because there's no maturity, because there's no reading of the Word of God, and there's no prayer. This is why it's so critical, church, we, when we come, don't just be hearers, but now allow God. And as you begin to do those things, you practice those things. How many know practice, as they say, makes something better, Right? You get better as you practice, as you continue to repeat those things over and over again in your life. And when it comes to spiritually, the discernment becomes more strong, more intent, and more uh, mature. Hebrews 5.14, again, but solid food is for the mature, who because of what? Practice. Because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. you got to train yourself. That discernment needs to be trained. That's why, read your word. Come to church. Uh, go to Relate Home Group. Get into the Word of God. Come to Prayer Central. God begins to help us uh, and listen to His Holy Spirit and what He wants to do. Because it takes maturity. That's why some folks don't grow. And because they're always stuck in a rut in their life because of immaturity and lack of discernment. When we discern correctly about our lives and where the Holy Spirit challenges us to change, it serves as an anchor to our faith. That discernment brings a stability 
in our faith and brings healing. So as our worship team comes this morning, and we prepare for our communion, I kind of went about this in, in a backward fashion because I'm going to read to you the verses that Paul the Apostle in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 begins with concerning uh, the communion. And then he speaks about those uh, who are uh, not changing their lives and who sleep and uh, who are sick. You see, Paul says we need to remember. That's what communion is all about. All the things I've been talking to you about, looking into the Word of God, allowing it to expose things in our lives, those are critical, they're important for, for our Christian faith to grow and to continue in the will of God. But the one thing that we need to never do is to forget not only what God is speaking to us about concerning our own lives, but remember what Jesus did for us. Remember the price he paid for our sins and our iniquities. Remember the sacrifice that he made, giving his life for our salvation. Because human nature, again, has a tendency and a frequency to forget. We read about that in the Old Testament a lot of times. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 12, Moses warns Israel, then watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. Are you grateful this morning that Jesus paid the price for your sins and brought you out of the house of bondage, out of the bondage of slavery, and into the land of freedom in Jesus Christ? Of course we are grateful for that. Let's never forget that. Because human nature has a tendency to forget the work that God has done in our lives. This morning, we're going to pray and we're going to prepare our lives as we get ready for communion. James closes out the scripture that I read by saying that if you hear and do, be a doer of the things that God's word says, that you will have a blessed life. You will be blessed. How many want to be blessed here this morning? Amen. Foolish question? Yes. We all want the blessing of God in our lives. How do I get blessed? By being a doer of the word of God. Not just a hearer, but a doer. As we bow our heads before the Lord this morning, and we close our eyes before we take communion, what I'd like to do is to give an invitation to anyone who is here, who has heard the word of God, maybe not just this morning, but over a period of time, you've been listening to the word of God, but you haven't done anything about it.
You haven't let it change you. You haven't allowed it to correct those things in your life. And this morning, it's time to stop being just a hearer and become a doer of God's Word. So if that's you here today, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed just for a few moments,